Oh, Carl, when you came and you gave without taking. And then I stole your money, oh, Tom. <laughs> will, will you, I really song? would, think so. Okay. Think so. Um, oh, Andy. <laughs> 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 right welcome to the awkward turkey podcast um it is the second week in may yeah. um we hope you're having a wonderful time in may and uh i hope the sun is shining we're going to roll these titles very very quickly now one of us does it every week um Really quickly, because we've had such a long conversation. I say a long one. It's been a great conversation yep. with um, comedy genius Ignacio Lopez. I've learned how Dude, to say I didn't his get, name. I didn't even get to ask him what his favourite joke was. I think we're going to have him on again, based on how, based on how lovely right. he was. I think we're going to have him on again. Ask me so, what my favourite joke is. What's your favourite joke? It's the fastest kick in the world. It's gone! It's an awful joke. Awful it's joke. You had, you had any joke in the world and you didn't even have to write it. Brilliant. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to very, very quickly get into the guest because um, we had we chatted to him for a little bit longer than we thought we were going <laughs> to. What? Nothing. And you still laughing about what was said on the show? <laughs> Scott. Um, get him on. Get that guest jingle going. He's a fabulous guest. Um, so here he is. Scott. Mr. Ig. Please stop saying scone. Here we have, for the second week in May, our first guest of the month, Ignacio Lopez, the hardest working comedy comedian that I know. Ah, oh, thanks, man. Double comedy. You are. D- it's, double comedian. Yeah, I don't know why I said it like that. It was very weird. But you are. So, I obviously, Carl knows you a little bit, Ignacio, and I don't. Um, whereabouts in the world are you, or have you been locked down for the last 12 months well i've been locked down uh, so it could be anywhere i feel like i'm in the international space station but i mean i'm in cardiff i'm in cardiff with uh, with my partner michelle who carl also knows uh, a relative i believe uh, yeah michelle's my cousin there we oh go. really strange world yeah i know so, such a strange world <laughs> okay and when when ignacio and myself met i didn't like well, I obviously i know michelle but i didn't realize that the two of them were dating so when i saw her there and she was taking pictures i was like oh cool you're at the gig taking pictures she was like yeah you know i'm with ignatio right i was like <laughs> yeah of course yeah you just thought she was oh, yeah. paparazzi <laughs> yeah she was just taking pictures of him like a perv yeah well she's an excellent photographer like i'd she's hire her even if you know we weren't uh in a relationship but absolutely yeah so we, that's, that's the Swansea connection. That's how uh, I lived in uh, Swansea for a long time. My mom is from Swansea. My father is from um, originally Morocco, but I grew up in Mallorca. So that is, uh, that is how I'm a Spanish comedian because most of my family are Spanish. And then I got some Welsh and Irish mixed in as well. I'm going to wow. get the really obvious, obvious questions out of the way earlier. Me, what me and Carl have tried to do over the course of the last few months is not make the whole podcast related to COVID in any way, shape or form. Of because, course. Uh, but then it is kind of the only thing we can talk about at the moment. So yeah. what, what we've been asking every guest we've had on, and we've had lots of different people from lots of different sort of careers within entertainment and outside, is what have you been up to for the last well, for the last year to sort of keep the wheels turning and keep the, the brain ticking over and all that stuff and stay fresh. 
Well, it's interesting, man, because comedy-wise, we try and write about stuff that relates, that people can relate to, you know? So as soon as COVID hit, I think every comedian was cracking jokes about people running out of toilet paper, you know? That was my next panic question. buying pasta. That was my next question, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of what... So writing-wise, that uh, I think all comedians got over that pretty quickly, and we were trying to find other things to write about. Uh, Performance-wise, I mean, similar to, to, I mean, what you guys have experienced is... Um, I wasn't able to do my, what I would consider my job. I wasn't able to travel and go work and do it and perform around the country that way. So I just went online. I started doing gigs online, uh, performing on Zoom, uh, on Microsoft Teams, which is by far the worst platform of all time, of all oh, of the okay. video software options. We've not used Microsoft it yet. Teams. No. <laughs> what, so before before you carry on and tell us more about it, I was, I was saying to Tom that you genuinely work incredibly hard but you kind of had a big year coming up i think in 2020 it was like kind of you were just you worked so hard at building and building and building and you were kind of just on the on the point of exploding into maybe the comedy world that sounds kind of sounds rude but it's not meant like that but like no i get it completely do you know what i mean kind of just at the point like almost like what it would be a support act for me. Like I would be the support act for the, for like the big band. You're kind of, you were there, you were good to go. It was almost like. Yeah, it's frustrating. It was, it was frustrating. I mean, obviously there's plenty of other horrible things that have happened over the past year, but for me, it was like, yeah. you know, having my tour canceled, um, which was a big deal for me. It was, we were starting to, whereas usually I'd be out, um, you know, playing the comedy clubs with a lineup of other comedians or maybe playing a solo show at a festival or something. Um, this was the first tour I was embarking on a proper solo yeah. tour with uh, with some backing behind us from the agency and things, and uh, and that just all got swallowed up and cancelled. You know, it was my first ever one. I was very excited wow. for it. Sorry and to hear that, man. Sorry man, to hear that. It's okay. Well, you know, there's silver linings to everything. So I I'm, I just I threw myself into online and just to make sure I I wanted to keep the people that cared about what I do. I wanted to keep them up to date and I wanted to keep them entertained. I started doing a, an online pub quiz because bloody everyone was doing online pub quizzes, but I was there yeah. week one. I think the week before right. we went into lockdown, I started doing an online quiz every Saturday night. Wow. Gained a bit of a following that way just to keep people busy and entertained and show people I was still alive, you know, and just yeah, yeah. cracking jokes, asking stupid questions, <laughs> people off with Doctor Who stuff I don't know anything about, you know, that kind yeah. of like dynamic, just that those kind of arguments you get in pub quizzes was fun and doing online gigs. So I kind of, I maintained uh, the fan base who couldn't see me live at those tours. I managed to keep them entertained by doing stand-up comedy gigs online and stuff. And uh, weirdly in between lockdowns in England, I managed to record my comedy special in Manchester. So wow. yeah, man, I was excited. So they, they booked me to do it. An American company called Comedy Dynamics who released a lot of specials. They've worked with some of the biggest comedians in the world, like Kevin Hart, they put stuff out with, wow. you know, um, like all, lots of big names. If you go through Netflix and look at the, the intro video, if it says Comedy Dynamics, they produced it. Right. So they, they got in touch and they were like, you know, we've been following you for a while. We were gonna connect something with your tour, et cetera, but the tour isn't happening. Do you want to record the comedy album? Um, and I was like, yeah, absolutely. When is this going to be possible because of lockdown and restrictions? Uh, in Manchester, I booked the show in and then the venue, the Frog and Bucket, which is a, you know, a legendary comedy venue up north, they put it on, but it was socially distanced. 
So the audience were all sort of scattered around the room. It was weird. You know, I, I really enjoyed the experience. I loved it, but it wasn't the same as like, so we did, we recorded it over two shows to have the audience there for the two, sh- rather than just cramming them all in for one show. Of course, right. Um, so the atmosphere wasn't as good as it would have been if it was jam-packed, but I yeah. still had a really fun time and the audience really enjoyed it. And, uh, and we recorded it there back in uh, November last year. So wow, that's... It was Amazing. weird, man. Congrats. You know what it's like. I mean, I love to play intimate venues just as much as the big ones. I mean, sometimes that means more to me. But if the if it's spaced out, you know what I mean? It's difficult sometimes yeah. to get an atmosphere. So Talking about it being difficult to have any type of atmosphere at all, me and Carl talked about this a little bit um, in last week's show when we knew that we'd got you coming on. And we said, because... Um, much like you at the beginning of lockdown, and I was the same as you the week before we went into lockdown, I moved all my stuff onto, onto online. I thought this is where it's going to be. And me and Carl pretty much in various different forms have done online shows with music or, you know what I mean? If Facebook will let us, if YouTube will let us, if Zoom will let us, we haven't used Teams. I'll ask you why it's the yeah, worst no, in no. a moment. <laughs> but um, yeah, we, we just diversified as best we could. And when we were talking about having you on last week, Carl said to me, isn't it weird? And it is weird um, when you're doing music and singing, you finish a song and there's absolutely no applause. Yeah. And it never, it never, you never learn how to deal with how that feels. It just always feels incredibly awkward. And Carl made a really good point And he went, imagine, imagine what this guy <laughs> must go through trying to do comedy on Zoom. I can't, I can't Zoom. fathom, right? I can't fathom. When you play it, when you play an online show and like you don't see like, so I never see the comments. First of all, I can't see anything without glasses anyway. So, <laughs> so like I, I can't see any comments or any, any likes or anything happening. So I finished the song and it's like awful, right? How the fuck does that work <laughs> as a comedian? Well, that's why I was so dead against like online comedy at the start. I was like, right, I'm going to do a pub quiz. Uh, I recorded a comedy special in my flat. I called it because I couldn't go on tour. I did a world yeah. tour of my flat. So Amazing. I did a, a show in my living room. I put googly eyes on, you know, inanimate objects around my flat. So I imagined yeah. I had an audience, um, but I cut it and it was just taking the <laughs> out of comedy specials yeah. a bit. You know, it wasn't a proper one, but then. I'd seen some online gigs and I did a couple early on and you can't see, you couldn't see the audience. You couldn't hear the audience. It was just, you know, comments coming up on Twitch and things like this. And um, it was, it's pretty difficult because we, re- so we rely so much. Or is it, oh, man. can you get away with it? It's like, um, I think once you get used to it, right? fine. But, you know, for 10 years, I've been traveling and doing shows yeah. and you get accustomed to, it, it affects your timing. It affects everything. Well, Whereas- surely, surely most of your material as well can be um, changed to suit the room that you're in. Or if you or if somebody Absolutely. if somebody heckles you, that then becomes part of yeah, the bit. The same as it does when we're on stage. That's the, yeah. that's the funniest. That's the best of, bit of the show. Yeah, no, the best yeah, bit not of the, the funniest show. bit, but that, the, the kind of bit that people it's will take back because they were like, he f***ing <laughs> done him, didn't he? <laughs> Yeah, you know man. I mean? well, it's the thing that people walk away and remember, don't they? The beauty of live entertainment is that um, it, it almost can't be replicated. You know, right. it's it's because you're you're there in the moment. Something happens that's never going to happen again. Yeah, you yeah. know, it happened because that audience there. You know, you could be anywhere. You could be performing in you know uh, a working men's club in Neath. You know, you could be performing at uh, live at the Apollo. Something could happen at that room. Yeah. 
sure. in that room that happens that's that's never happened before and something magical comes out of it something super funny and i i never i never plan exactly what my material is going to be before i go on stage i yeah. always know how i'm going to start and i know how i'm going to finish and i've got hours worth of material and i just go by how the audience responded at the start and like I kind of then tailor make the the, the material to fit yeah. with what they enjoy. Whereas online, if you've just I got, was going to say, how do you how do you do that online? Yeah, <laughs> it's or tough. how have you done that online? Because you've got you've got to I guess you diversify and by doing it online. And you will have had unless you're super tech savvy, and I don't know if you are really tech savvy, but you will have had the same experience that every performer, musician, actor, comedian has had where you've had to learn how to use a platform that isn't built to do what you want to do with. Um, and <laughs> Zoom is wonderful. It's wonderful. But we were saying last week, it isn't really made for music. And at the moment, using it a lot for music. I've never used Microsoft Teams. We'll get back to the comedy in a minute, but you have to tell me why it's the worst one because so many people have been, oh, I use Teams. I use Teams. I use yeah. Zoom. <laughs> um, and I've never used Teams. Um, but your disdain for it at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> I think it works in terms of video chatting. Fine. Great. You know, with, uh, I don't know what it's like with music, but with comedy, one of the reasons I started using Zoom at the start is because... Um, they they allow you to, if you are the host of the event, I mean, as you know, you can spotlight videos quite easily. You can arrange how you want to see it. You know, you can change. So I've got like a TV set up uh, next to the computer that I put the audience on that. So I've got like a, like a, almost like a front row of what yeah. a, a gig wow, would look okay. like on the TV. And it's up as big as I can get it so I can see faces laughing. Um, I get the sound coming through the TV. Like I get, you know, I set it up like a comedy club in my living room, which you're looking at now, but I, I put up like a backdrop. I set my mic up to, you know, as, as, if, yeah. as if I'm performing to a front row on my television and you get a lot more control. Like now Zoom allows you to do turn original sound, which I haven't actually clicked for this. I should have maybe done that at the start, but we're not going to mess with the sound levels now. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can, you know, so you've got a bit more control over the sound. You can choose, you can, you can scroll down and, as the host, you can, if an audience member is chatting and disrupting the show on Zoom, say I've got a hundred people watching the show on Zoom, um, I'll get somebody like Michelle will be sat in the next room um, as a host scrolling down the participants and you can see when the mic is peaking. So she will like mute people who are like chatting or there's a dog barking in their room or, you know, yeah, baby crying yeah. or something yeah. just to make sure it doesn't ruin the show. Whereas Microsoft Teams is very much like, it, I might as well use Microsoft Office and just type my jokes into a bar <laughs> okay. and just people can just read it that way because I get, I just, I can't control who I can see on the screen um, oh, unless yeah. I'm, you know, I can't see the, the sound. There's not as many controls. They don't have like little things which you can notice like the, the mic peaking where you can mute people, that participants window. Zoom just seemed to have it right at the moment, whereas they I think do. Microsoft are playing catch up on a few things. But nobody, I, I don't know if you guys are the same as me, but I hadn't even heard of Zoom no, me. 12 months ago. <laughs> no. And now it's probably one of the most used words in my, in my um, vocabulary. People yeah. talk about conspiracy theories and like 5G and stuff. Nobody st stopped to think, was it Zoom that started COVID? Because they've really <laughs> done well out of this whole situation, you know? They're getting 15 pound a month <laughs> off me. <laughs> Every month. Um, no, it's, it's good. So if you would say that Microsoft Teams 
and I'm, I'm, I'm jumping the gun here, but I'm pretty sure this is the correct answer. Microsoft Teams would be the worst gig you've ever played um, <laughs> online. Um, what, if the, what if they came to you and they were like, we'd like you to do a gig for us? Are you in? Microsoft? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I'll do, I'll do a private <laughs> gig bad, for then. Bill Gates, Bill Gates <laughs> yeah. in his bathrobe. I'll do it. You know, I'll do it over. I don't mind. <laughs> how you do done... you manage with, sorry, Tom, how do you manage with Zoom? I send, when I send them an email with the ticket, so when they book a ticket, um, I send them instructions. I say, camera on, um, set your audio, everybody's mics to 40%. So everybody goes at 40%. Oh, wow, okay. So that uh-huh. you get a nice bed of laughter then. You don't get like somebody coming in like, you know, like a Concord flying over yeah, you yeah, when they're yeah. laughing or whatever. And also I switch my audio to original sound. Uh, so if it's original sound, it doesn't go up or down. It, 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 there's no auto level with, um, with your sound that goes out then when you switch to original sound on Zoom. We, we did a, a live podcast and... Like if the two of us talked over each other, like because there was a bit of adrenaline going on or whatever, it kind of. Or if I played the guitar a little bit in one of them, it would go, you know. We... <laughs> yeah, it just it kind of do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, just so I was just wondering how that works with comedy. It's been major trial and error because I, the, right. some of the early gigs I did, um, the I, that's why forty percent. If everyone's on forty percent, I crank mine up to one hundred percent on everything. So it's it's real. Well, crank it up to eleven, like. You yeah. know, spinal tap, spinal tap. Yeah, just go for it. Um, and I do, like, you know, I do a bit of comedy music as well. So, like, I play guitar. So, I learned the hard way that, like, as soon as I strum the guitar, sometimes because it's going in through two different levels, like, my my vocals weren't coming through at all. Right. So, all people could hear the guitar, which is the least funniest part of comedy oh, music the song. is yeah, the guitar. The song. That's what happens <laughs> with me. Yeah. It's, the, it's, the, it's the worst <laughs> bit of the set when Carl plays guitar. <laughs> Do you think, because we were talking about this also last week, do you think that, um, because obviously, especially when this episode goes out, we're going to be on our way back to some form of normality, fingers crossed. Um, But do you think that the online stuff still has a place um, in, in in whatever the new normal is? Because me and Carl said, although we think that there will be a big thirst for people when it's safe to do so to, to pile into the theatres and the comedy clubs and the cinemas and all that sort of stuff. I think people have got quite used to having that entertainment from home or buying a ticket to something that's small and intimate um, that you know means, means they don't have to get in the car and go. So do you think it'll stick around? And now you've learned all this stuff, do you want it to stick around a little bit? Yeah, man, totally. I, I think one of the incredible things about you know, not just video um, performances and, and live events online, uh, but also social media is that it connects people all around the world. So I've been doing stand-up shows, um, not just my own, where people maybe in Norway or Canada or whatever connect and watch my shows, but also I've been staying up till like 3 a.m. and doing like open mic nights in New York. So wow. I'm trying out my material to like with New York comics or with L.A. comics. Um, and like wow. performing in those different places, places where like, you know, it's a hell of a lot cheaper to pay for Zoom once a month and get a flight yeah. to Los Angeles and drop in at the comedy store or whatever. Well, you we know? were so- saying that maybe theaters, you know, you know, when they start opening at 50 percent, maybe theaters would maybe sell the other 50 percent of the audience to watch it online. I mean, I know there'll be a bit of technicality in it. Well, but I've, it's I've a, started it's a possibility. At, I've started looking at it already because, I, you know, I run a regular comedy night in Swansea. At least I yeah. did before uh, the pandemic and that ran monthly. 
and I've chatted to the venue and I said, look, there's, there's people who tune in every month to watch my, you know, my monthly comedy show online I've been doing. These are people, a lot of the cases where they didn't used to go out before the pandemic. So you yeah. might get people who perhaps they've got a disability. So they, they you know, it's, it's difficult to find the right comedy venue for them that uh, is accessible enough. Or uh, maybe they just, they work unsociable hours and it's easier for them to just stay at home uh, and watch this one show before going off to do a late shift somewhere. Or maybe they'd rather just watch it on YouTube the next I think, morning. I think there's also know? that, there's also that element of, of people who sometimes it's nice to order a takeaway get yourself uh, a bottle of wine, sit on the sofa and have it there and accessible for you. And I think that exists on Netflix if you want to sit down and watch the, you know, the Dave Chappelle special and stuff. But I think all of us as performers um, at, the, at the level that we're at, and I know it's varying levels, I'm not putting us all in the same bag, <laughs> but um, I think at the level that we're at, I think it's a trick we've missed because... It's I, like I did uh, I did one the Saturday just gone and there was people in the audience from America, from Germany, from um, Mexico, whatever. And if I put a show on, I wouldn't have been able to get that number of yeah. people together at that time. And it was it was wonderful to be able to do it. I'll be honest with you, Ignatio. I didn't have their microphone switched on. <laughs> I had them all on mute because I'm sure your fans are obviously a little they bit more respectful. They were all from Dagenham, really. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, they just got VPN like yeah. blocking where they are in the world. So you think this guy's logging in from Mexico. No, he just likes Mexican Netflix a bit much. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> but there, it was, it was a, it was a wicked, wicked experience. And although I think there'll be a little bit of a period when the doors open, where everybody goes, okay, we're a bit fed up of zoom now. And we we've had enough of Microsoft teams and they want real FaceTime rather than Apple FaceTime. And that's totally cool. But I've got a feeling that this, this, medium of, of of performing i think it's going to stick around carl's doing a um like a virtual album launch and i think it's a great idea and uh i think that is a way of you protect like if you're going to release an album this year Dude, would you really want to book have, venues well at this point have, it's a bit of a exactly, risk exactly we'd have booked a, a gig somewhere we'd probably have done one in wales and one in england and that would have been it and then people would have watched whatever someone filmed on their camera phone, you know, and, and it's slightly different with a band because you kick any sort of bass thing going and it goes really on someone's iPhone. So they would have watched that in, you know, wherever the band is getting good amounts of streams, Brazil, Argentina, whatever, it, wherever it may be, and kind of not really got a good reflection of, what this new music sounds like or what the band sounds like live. Whereas now they all join on one show. It's kind of amazing. That's what I mean. I think, yeah, I think it's kind it's, of brilliant. I think it's, there's um, something in it. Definitely. You, you said finding the silver lining just at the beginning, Ignatio. And I think that's, that's a brilliant, a brilliant terminology for it because it's, it has been like, I would love to have this podcast with the three of us sat around a table actually having a conversation and maybe yeah. maybe a little beer. Uh, yeah, but sure, you know man. what I mean? That would yeah. be great. But the fact that we can do it like this is still is still pretty good. And I think that I think that it will continue. I really do. I really do. I don't think it'll be as much. I think you might find you do your normal shows and your normal yeah. performances. But and then just maybe... the option maybe. Just the option that if people want to also I've been to 
I've I've had artists that I want to go and see, and I've been playing a gig that night. But if I can buy the ticket to that gig in, because I don't really want to watch the one show that they took loads of time in Wembley Stadium or whatever <laughs> filming. Do you know what I mean? I want to watch the gig that, that when they came to Wales or when they came to. So maybe if, if the option is there to get involved and watch it later or whatever, that specific we're very show. Lucky. We're very lucky that we live in this era where yeah. technology's come on so far that we're able to do this. Imagine if this has happened in the 80s. It would be the sh- time ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely you awful. See any of your bands. Duran Duran would be fucked right now. <laughs> They'd be just sat at home playing Pong or whatever it was on an Atari. Going, ah. Oh. Um, if they wanted to film anything, they'd have to get like a, a VHS camcorder that yeah. like weighs like a bazooka, yeah. send tapes to their mates through the flat. You know, What's it amazing work. is now that people are making music videos that look exactly like it did in the 80s, though. <laughs> yeah, that's, we've got, <laughs> but we've, but we we've gone, gone full circle. circle. Yeah. We, went, yeah. we went from mobile phones being huge to tiny. We went, let's get yeah. the best video quality we can. And now we're back to making it look retro again. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to move it away from... Um, performing on Zoom and COVID and stuff like that, because I think we, you know, we kind of all know exactly how it is. And I'm interested that we all agree that there is definitely life to performing online yeah. after this as well. But um, I think it's an interesting one because um, whenever I've spoken to any uh, stand-up comics before, they've always got um, like the gig they did the best at and the gig they died at. The worst gig the one ever. That, I was going to ask the same question. What is the worst gig ever? <laughs> yeah. Off you go, Ignacio. Wow. I've done a, I've done a bunch, man. I did a, I did a show in 2018, which was, it was called Nine Egg Fails. And it was all of, it, the, the entire show was just me telling stories about my worst shows I'd ever done in my, in my life. Wow. So I'm going to give you a quick highlight cut okay. some of okay. the some of the worst ones i've ever done one of the worst ones i ever did uh, in wales uh was in a oh a... thanks <laughs> well no i just wanted to make it local you know <laughs> make it uh, personal for you guys one of the one of the worst ones i did in wales was in a, a pool hall um and i've been it was like a the the end of a pool tournament and they booked a comedian he wasn't right. available so they replaced the comedian with me and i arrived um the pool tournament was still happening. There was a stage that I was stood on. They had nowhere for me to plug in my guitar, even though they told me like, yep, don't worry, we've got like a, we've got a sound system and stuff. You're gonna be able to plug in your guitar. So like my DI was useless. I couldn't plug it in. Um, I had the microphone that they had. This is way before I started taking all of my own equipment to every gig right. for this exact eventuality. I had a microphone, which was like, a really terrible karaoke style mic that they used to use to the lead is built into the mic itself right? the cable yeah. was was a, less than a meter and it was connected to the sound thing at the back <laughs> of the stage i was at the back of the stage for entire gig with like a length of cable like this trying yeah. to perform sort of over my shoulder to the audience yeah. who were three pool tables away from the stage so i couldn't <laughs> even see their faces because you had two massive three massive pool tables all of oh. the guys who I should point out, by the way, 90% of them have just lost the pool tournament, right? Yeah, so they were course. not in the best mood that you can imagine. I'm there with a cable performing over in the corner with this karaoke mic they usually use to announce the bingo numbers, right? I'm doing this. I'm getting nothing from them. It's silent. It's horrible. And uh, one by one, they started walking towards me and just throwing money at the stage. 
And this was new to me. I was like, what's going on? Like, are you like, I'm not busking up here, right? I'm being paid to be up here and entertain you. And they kept throwing money. And eventually they were throwing it from the back of the room coins, mm. not notes, <laughs> coins. Okay. Like, at this, and I'm getting, I, I was told if I didn't do my hour, I wasn't getting paid. So, so you're doing do, the hour. You're I, doing the hour. <laughs> I, I went through, you know, I broke into a sweat about 20 minutes in. I was dying on my ass. Like it was one of the worst deaths of my life. Then, you know, they're throwing money at me. I'm there. It's horrible. They're booing me. I get through it. I do manage to do the whole hour and I, I finish and I walk to the side and I, I talk to the guy who's meant to be paying me. And he, he was like, how much did we say it was again? And I think it was something like a hundred quid. All right. But at the time, that was a lot of money. This was like 10 years ago, yeah. just as I'm starting. Yeah. I was like, this is my most highest paid gig ever. And he starts counting it out in like five pound notes as slowly as he can, you know, just to really put it to me. He's like, you know, I don't think you were worth a hundred quid. And he gives me all of the cash. And I said, what was with the guys throwing money at me? And he said, oh, well, it's a working man's club thing. If, um, if they think you're shit, they throw money at you until you decide that's enough money for you to fuck off. All right. Oh so he did that to me. Oh my God. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay. So I scooped <laughs> the money into my guitar case yeah, and I left with like an extra 20 quid. So I was like, F them. that's what you get. Yeah. Man. Oh man. Oh my God. An hour, but that hour must have felt like the longest, the longest hour. Oh, it, uh. let, let me see though. If like, this happens in comedy like it does in music. So if you get nervous or the crowd is not reacting, what tends to happen is you just start singing more songs, <laughs> right? But yeah. when you're like, when you're at the start, at you've only tempo. maybe got 20 songs. And that 20 songs is supposed to laugh, last you the two 45 minute sets. But by the time yeah. you're like, you're, you're about 14 songs into the first half, kind of coming up because anything you say, it is just getting rejected or not. So does that happen in comedy where and if it's a bad gig, on the head. it's if like, you, if I'm smashing it, if I'm doing really well, then, you know, I, 10 minutes of jokes is 20 minutes worth of jokes. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're reacting to it more. The laughter, obviously, I have to pause, wait for them to finish laughing before I start the next bit. Also, if they're laughing, I tend to do more what we call tags at the end of jokes. So I'll finish with a punchline. If they're laughing, I'll maybe put a topper on top of the joke, you know, just a little right. something extra each time. You maybe comment on the room, somebody else who's laughing, you play around with it a bit more. So, you know, 10 minutes is realistically like of jokes is 15 minutes of, uh, of comedy, of comedy time. So yeah. when you're doing an hour and let's be honest, like at the start of my comedy career, like 10 years ago, I didn't have an hour of jokes. Yeah. <laughs> you know okay. what I mean? Yeah. I had like, you know, probably half an hour and a couple of comedy songs that I could really milk at the end of my yeah. set, but I can't plug my guitar in. So I am. <laughs> so I, <laughs> you so can't I, move either. <laughs> Oh, and you oh know, I, I found out pretty early on, you can't repeat jokes in a set either. That doesn't work. Right. Either. Yeah. So, it's not like music. Yeah. So I was like, right. So I, I, I had to really stretch stuff out. I was pulling stuff out of my ass, like half written jokes and ideas. It was really good. So to be fair, like the quality was deteriorating as I was performing, but also right. you, you burn through material a lot quicker if people yeah. aren't laughing. So that was intense, but people don't book you to do hours anymore, unless you are 
established, you know, yeah. if it's your solo show. Is, is it like a it's, 20? Is it a 20 they want? Yeah, something yeah. Like that? Typically 20, 30 minutes is like the kind of comedy club, but this, they were still in this old like working men's club, sort of like we book a comedian for an hour, yeah, we book yeah, a yeah. band for an hour, yeah. we book, a, you know, we've yeah. got bingo in the middle between the two. Like this is what they were set at and this is what they wanted. They, um, talking of, talking of dying at gigs and, and obviously it's different, um, as a musician, if you get heckled, than it is uh, for a comedian who gets heckled, because obviously you will have a million things in your back pocket for those heckles. Now, I have been heckled with quite a lot of things during my years on stage. Some of them funny, some of them you can make part of the show, some of them um, make the show because you can yeah. keep referencing back to it um, all the way through, especially if you get the person's name. I love it. It's, it's one of my favorite <laughs> things. And some but, just f***ing hurtful. Some oh, are. Some are. Now, that was where I was going with it. That was where I was going with it. There's one heckle that that happened to a friend of mine. And um, I don't know how to deal with it in any way, shape or form. It was an eight-year-old boy at a wedding right. who stood at the front of the stage in full earshot of everybody and just looked up at the stage and went, you're ruining their evening. <laughs> How? How do you deal with it? I would have just told the kid he's ruining his parents' lives. So, like, that's what I would have done. Yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> I wasn't there's nothing funnier. There's nothing funnier to me than going in hard on a kid. You know, if there's a, <laughs> like that for me, that's ultimate comedy. I love treating kids like adults at gigs. That's yeah. my favorite thing ever. But have I, you that seen come when, back when fire kids as well. go up to the stage and they just do this? <laughs> you had that with kids. Yeah, they just yeah. cover oh. their ears. Or, or people sit in the shouldn't audience. shouldn't be at comedy, you know? Kids should not be at comedy, like for starters. But often... They haven't got a sense will, of humor. You know, some, some of them are great and well-behaved, but let's, let's be face facts. Most of them are little shits, you know? And they, they're just going to show up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I've, I've been performing on stage. One of the worst gigs I ever did was a charity show where it was in a place called St. Helens up near Liverpool. And uh, to be fair, like the woman who ran it was lovely. Um, you know, it was a it was a good room for comedy, but unfortunately, the entire room was filled with balloons. All right, which is not a great atmosphere for comedy. You don't need that much static electricity going on. And there was children there. I had to follow a magician who did one hour. Then um, the magician was calling the raffle. I hate following a raffle. There were forty two prizes. <laughs> he had to call 42 prizes before I was being introduced. So I'm stood there. Like, I was supposed to be on at 8 p.m. At 10 p.m., I was calling my agent up. I said, can you hear that? He was like, yeah, what's going on? I was like, that's prize 15 of the raffle. <laughs> right? I'm, not, oh I'm not on stage yet. And kids are kind of like bouncing balloons behind me while I'm performing. Yeah. There's, if there's ever a kid in the audience, uh, I told this trick to a friend of mine I picked up quite early on, and it backfired in the most horrific way. I'm going to explain it to you. Um, I will self-censor some of the words <laughs> because okay. it gets okay. bad. You can say what you want to say and I will censor the show before okay. it goes out. Well, I so. will I, I will self-censor for because just for my own well-being, I think more okay. than anything. Okay. So sure. I I like to ask kids, um, for starters, if, I, if, if there's kids in an audience and they're not supposed to be there, I'll, I'll chat to them. I'll be like, uh, what do you do for a living to a kid? You know, and they'll be like, I don't yeah. have a job. And I'll be like, you lazy mother. <laughs> you know, you can make jokes like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is like funny, right? Because you treat them like an adult. Uh, another get out of jail free card if there's kids there and you've got to you know, introduce comedians who maybe have adult material because it's not just the kid and the parent. 
if there's a kid in that audience, it makes other people uncomfortable because yeah. they do it just before you carry it. They do it on that. cruise ships. Cruise ships are the worst for it. They have late night comedy yeah. that starts at eleven thirty, <laughs> and they stack the the theater that seats two and a half thousand people out. And there are kids at like five, six, and seven in the front row. And the guy comes out and he just goes, what the f- am I supposed to do now? Mate, I've done, so before the, before the pandemic, I'd done three cruises and I was meant to be doing 12, the, like last year and this year, which obviously all got canceled. But like one of the things I had to learn early on is like, how do you deal with children, you know, in these shows, which are like yeah. adult comedy nights and stuff. And I went and I, I came up with this way of saying, asking a child, I'd be like, how old are you? And they, maybe they say eight years old. And I say, okay, uh, what's your favorite swear word? And as soon as the kid uses a swear word, it just releases all of the tension in the room because all of the right. adults are like, all oh, right, you know, he said that and that. And you can play on that. Uh-huh. You can say, who taught you that word? Like, you know, they yeah. point to their parent. You can get silly, you know, laughs out yeah. of it that way. But I told that advice to a friend of mine who was playing a, an all day festival in um, like Somerset somewhere. And he was performing in the comedy tent and uh, I'd given him this advice and he went up and he was hosting the show and he had to bring on the comedians. There was kids there and they just wouldn't leave. And there were parents there and they're like, they're fine. And he was like, all right, okay. And he looked down at these kids and they'd been kind of like heckling him. And he said, okay, kids, well, you know, what's, what's your favorite, uh, what's your favorite swear word? And like, put the mic down to the kid. And this kid was like seven or eight. And the, he puts the mic to the kid and over the whole speakers, the kid dropped the N word. The kid was white, by the way, I should mention. Okay. Not that that would make it acceptable, but for a kid. And I was like, there is literally nothing you can say in that situation. He just, it, went, he, I the, thought the, you were going to say the kid dropped the C bomb no, or something which, like that. Yeah. When he <laughs> no, was he telling me the story back, he was like, you know, that advice you gave me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought he was going to tell me, I thought he was going to use the same one, the C word. And then he dropped the N word. And I was like, that's oh literally God. the worst word I could think of. It's unrecoverable. You can't recover yeah. it. And good night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At midday on the comedy yeah. tent. <laughs> You've been great. <laughs> I've been Carl. Good, good night. God bless. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Jack Whitehall. Thank you very yeah. much. Contact my agent. <laughs> what did he do though? I need to know how, how the story ended. How, cause they, I, he, he just panicked. And I think he just said, um, he was just like, Oh, right. I'll, I, you know, I wasn't, ex- I wasn't expecting that. Um, <laughs> that's not the, you know, he just kind of fell over oh himself a little bit and, and brought up the next act, you know, but uh, I don't, I don't think that the entire event recovered from this one horrible little yeah, child the who was called, I think the kid's name was Callum. So if we, if we find out his surname as well, I think we need to put out a warning to all future comedy events to ban yeah. Callum. <laughs> don't, wow. don't take Callum. Can you imagine Callum going into school the next day and everyone yeah. going, would you do it the weekend, Callum? Completely f***ed up a festival. Yeah. <laughs> God. Oh God. It's like booking Rick Astley. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, there was, there, was one, there was one gig I did once. It was re- years and years and years ago, maybe about 10, 11 years ago. And... Um, You'll either know him or you won't, but I think he was the lead singer of a band called Dolly. Is it David Van Day? Have you oh, heard gosh. of him? Yes, he was on. Yeah, no, you'll know him from. He was on I'm a Celeb, wasn't he? Okay. He's, he, he was he on had, I'm a Celeb. He was in a band that had one or okay. two songs out, or one. I think it was yeah, one. Yeah, it was song. him and a woman. About 35 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, and, and he's bit, you know what I mean? And I've not met him. Um, I've heard a lot of people say that he's quite unreliable when it comes to booking gigs he'll 
book a gig and then he won't um he won't turn up and i got booked to cover him because he hadn't turned up and it was a sunday afternoon um in in this weird little town and i i just i turned up to do it and i thought in my head these people are going to be really angry that he hasn't turned up so if i come on stage and sort of go what a knobhead for not turning up that'll win him over but it turns out they hadn't been told he wasn't going to be there no and i was under the impression that they were there for sunday lunch and he was going to come and sing and they would just be told there was another singer so i came out i did the first song and i am i'm nervous which is manifesting itself at this point as outward aggression because i've got to get this i've done the first song and i've got to get it off my chest because i've got this thing and i'm like ah yeah it's a shame david can't be here today God, you know, and, I, and, and somebody cuts me off and goes, what, he's not coming? And I was just like, oh, shit. Um, and I was like, yeah, what, what a letdown. At least you've got me. And then someone else was like, what, he's really not coming? So I do the next song like really, really quick. And now I'm, now I'm, now I'm panicking. And all I can think of in my head is he did, he, he did one TV show where he opened a burger van or something like that and started selling burgers on the side of the road. And I start asking the audience if they've seen this show because slagging him off wasn't working. Now I'm like, let's talk about the thing he's done on telly. They're his biggest fans. They hadn't <laughs> seen it. I'm like four songs <laughs> in now and I'm going, oh, it was awful. Absolutely awful. Um, yeah, David Van Day. Um, you I, were like, <laughs> Callum, Cal Callum. Tell him your word. What's your word? Swearing, mate. Come on, Callum. <laughs> Um, but it wasn't even, it was, I remember thinking on stage, it wasn't even like he was a singer that had loads of songs and I could just go yeah, on and yeah, go, look, yeah. he can't be here. So I'll sing some of my stuff, but I'll also sing some of his stuff so that you've got the, you know what I mean? You've got the music. The experience, yeah. He, he had one song and it was crap. <laughs> and he had, it was with a woman and I can't sing the woman's part, but yeah. Oh, just, just awful, awful. I had, but a, I, I had a similar, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a, some, an act who dropped out but I was performing in Jonglers in Cardiff um, the, the Christmas before they went under. Um, <laughs> and um, the, you know, 200 people in there sold out, like this was their Christmas works parties or whatever. They booked the, you know, the comedy club and I had to go up and open the show. They, the chef hadn't shown up to work. And like these people have paid for food and comedy and the food was supposed to be served at 6 p.m. And the comedy starts at 8 p.m. So I went up on stage at 8 p.m. And none of these people have eaten. Like, they're like all just wonder. Oh, like, no. they're like, where's our food? And they think I'm there to make an announcement or something. I'm yeah. like <laughs> trying to start stand-up comedy. At <laughs> Did them, they think and like, you were the chef? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were furious. And I, I was just, you know, the only way I could think to recover it was uh, we, we sent them all to Burger King across the street. So they all... <laughs> go and get their own Burger King and bring it back to the venue before we could continue because people were kicking off. It was their Christmas party. Wow. And the, the, the manager's bright idea as well was like, oh, I know how we can win them over. Um, we'll give them all drinks tokens. These people have been drinking since 5 p.m. With no food yeah. in them as well. With no food. And yeah. he's like, here you go. Here's some free booze as well. That's the ultimate. That's a wonderful comedy audience. They're yeah. drunk. They're angry. <laughs> they haven't eaten. And now they've got even more drink as well to get in them. So, so Ignacio, what, one big question I, I really want to know from a comedian is who's the best comedian you've ever been to see 
All right. Okay. That's a good, that's a great question. Um, it's funny because like all of I've, I've gotten to gig with most of my heroes now. As wow. Well, okay. You know, so like when I started out, um, well, kind of, <laughs> all right, okay. <laughs> I wouldn't say I've shared the stage with them, you know, I maybe I've yeah. been there and they, perform. so I did um, my, one of my favorite comedians, uh, when I was starting out, even before I even considered doing standup was Jack D. Like he's somebody I really, you Love know, Jack Tay. yeah, he's yeah. incredible. And he, you know, people forget that he started live at the Apollo. It used to be called Jack D's Jack live, D's at, the live at the Apollo. Yeah, that's right. Um, and he was the host for the first like 10 seasons of it or whatever. And he's, yeah, just absolute dynamite, just such a complete um, persona on stage. You know, like this grumpy guy, you know, exactly the yeah, type of comedy brilliant. you're going to get from him. And it's this deadpan beautiful one-liners and, and constructed observations. Love the guy. And now I hadn't gigged with him and I booked to do my solo show in a venue in London called um, the Bill Murray, which is like, it's the Bill Murray pub, they called it, named it after obviously the famous comedy actor. And it's a great venue for comedy. And I booked to do my solo show in there. And the show before mine, because I think I was on it like 10, 30, 11 PM, the show before mine was like a bunch of comedians trying out material. Uh, so like lots of people doing five, 10 minute sets, just a bunch in one hour. And, uh, and for some reason it was absolutely heaving in there. Like you, I think it was a Tuesday night and usually there's maybe 20 people, but this was yeah. packed to the gills because word had gotten out that Jack D was trying out material in the, wow. in, uh, in this gig. So like I managed to kind of like stand at the back of the room and just watch him trying out new stuff. Some of it from a clipboard, you know, and just demolishing the place like you know you where you can feel the laughter and the sweat dripping off the wall it's just a great atmosphere in this in this pub in london and then he finished and you know i got to say like oh man like that was incredible i'm on i'm on next and he was like oh okay great he goes oh, i can't stick around like i've got it. i was like yeah don't worry about it man that's no problem so i was good, about to go on the same stage unfortunately because everyone had gone to watch him and in this like sweaty box and it was packed in like if the fire department found out they would have got in trouble afterwards everybody was just on this high nobody came in to watch my show oh no (laughs) so i was just stood in there waiting and we went out after a while and people were like oh to be honest man um you know we uh we don't think we can sit and watch like another hour of comedy and i was like fine man i i you know it was it was weird having to perform after just watching that anyway yeah uh, <laughs> but that that really brings it you home as well you know when you're feeling quite big about yourself it's like i've booked the solo show in london i'm yeah. so excited about myself and then you can't follow jack d man it's not yeah. happening <laughs> yeah yeah wow wow um, what about you tom who's the best comedian you've ever been to see i've ever been to see uh, it's, it's it's a tough one because i've talked about him on the show before and it's a different type of comedy it's it's kind of awkward comedy with Tim Minchin. Um, it's beautifully wonderful music, but awkward comedy. But for me, the godfather is Ricky Gervais. <laughs> Just Ricky Gervais. He opened, he, the, the first time I went to see him, because uh, I'd seen the DVDs he'd done before, but the first time I went to see him, I think was fame. And he came on stage and he's where did opening, you see the Where did you see the show? Um, I want to say Wimbledon. I want oh, to say okay. Wimbledon. Because I saw that show in, in used to be called the Motor Point in Cardiff. I saw that tour as well. I saw Ricky Gervais there doing that show. It was, and- it, it was, a, it was a smaller opening one because at the time, um, one of the guys who'd done the voiceover for the, open, the opener of that tour, um, 
had helped get a ticket for me. It was, it was just brilliant. But he, he, opened, he opened the show with coming on stage and going, how much did I raise a loan for cancer last year? <laughs> and taking pretend questions from the audience. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just yeah. incredibly ballsy. And I got the DVD and he changed, he changed one of the lines because I think he'd had an argument with Dawn French or Lenny okay. Henry or something because in one of his series, he had a go at Lenny Henry. And then he had a go at Dawn French because he came out and stood in front of a great big illuminated sign that said Ricky. And his second joke was, if Dawn French was here, that would only say Roy because she'd cover up the other letters. And that, that was cut from the DVD and I didn't understand why it was. Um, right. But yeah, it was, it was, that was brilliant. And just, I think with him though, the more I've gone to see him since, the shorter his shows have become. And it, yeah, he does become a very bit, short set. He's become a little bit... I don't, I don't want to say lazy because he's the, one of the biggest stand-up comics in the world. He can do what he wants to do. And I love everything he does on telly. But I think he, the difference between Ricky and a lot of uh, stand-up comics is like Ricky didn't start out doing stand-up. So like Ricky he is... Uh, he never a, did those little gigs, no. no. And like that's what you know, a lot of comics have a problem with Ricky about because he talks about being a stand-up comedian, but he didn't come up through the clubs. He hasn't done, right, right. he hasn't, he hasn't got on a mega bus uh, for four hours to go try out five minutes in London. Do you know what I mean? He like quite, he he quite openly owns that though, doesn't yeah. he? He's done a couple of podcasts where he's, I think one called Deadly Serious, where he talks about saying the first time he did comedy, he'd had a TV show on Channel 4 and then the next time he'd done The Office. So although yeah. they weren't, mega mega tv shows at the time obviously the office is now he never really had to do that sort of struggle with it but, no, I, but I just he found... struggled in a different way though like a lot of people don't appreciate that um you know the amount of auditions and he had to eat you know yeah. like in order to get to the position he was in in the first place or the amount of scripts he was writing and sending it i think we all go through our own journeys in certain ways and i, I think it's just it's very easy to be snobby about something sometimes and be like, oh, you know, they didn't make it the right way. And it's like, sure. what is the right way? You know, yeah. who, who cares? I've just moaned about it and said, what was it, 75 quid a ticket to watch him go and talk for 45 <laughs> minutes. But the truth of it is, I'd pay it to go again. It doesn't oh, matter. Cool, it doesn't matter because what, what he does is brilliant. And his support is always, always really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's one Someone of the great wants- things about him is he, he, he does uh, champion like up and coming comics as well. Like a lot of acts go on tour and they don't even take a support act. Or if they do, it's just somebody with their agency. So somebody right. signed to the same agent and they're like, oh yeah, we just yeah. piggyback bubble, off bubble. of that a bit. Yeah. yeah. And um, not quite as funny. Always not, <laughs> always not quite as funny. I saw him once with, I think his name is Stuart Francis, I want to say. Ah, uh, Stuart Francis. One-liners. It's just yeah. all one-liners, the whole set. So he managed to do 30 minutes of one-liners. It was mind-boggling really you know he's an incredible writer Stuart Francis and what's weird is his his dream Stuart Francis I've gigged with Stuart a couple of times he doesn't watch other comedians so I I opened for him in a couple of shows and he he would come out just at the end and he'd be like oh man like I heard the laughter like you killed it and he explained to me he doesn't watch other comedians because you know he writes so many jokes he never wants to be accused of like having stolen a joke Wow. So like I know another comedian who's a one-liner comic and um, Jimmy Carr used one of his jokes um, that, you know, not he hadn't stolen it. Basically, one of his writers, because Jimmy uses a lot of writers, was Stuart, but he's on television all the time as well. So he turns over a lot more material. 
Stuart Francis like writes every single joke himself. Like he doesn't right. employ writers. And somebody wrote to Jimmy Carr and was like, hey man, like you used my joke on TV and you know, you know, it's my joke. We've known each other a long time. And Jimmy was like, look, man, I genuinely didn't know it was your joke. I paid for it from one of my writers. I'll never use that writer again. Here's a check for 200 pounds. What is kind of like roughly the going rate for like a one-liner on television or something. They were like, oh, wow. great. But then they got the idea that like, hold on a second. I just wrote to a comedian and told them that they pinched my joke and I got a check for 200 pounds. Oh, so he no. started writing letters to all other one-liner comedians being like, hey man, you used my joke. And the one he got the response from Stuart Francis saying, just saying like, great minds think alike. I've never seen you, I've never seen your joke. So, you know, if that's true, which it wasn't wow. as it happens, but yeah. That's is so that, cheeky. There is, uh, <laughs> there is that thing that happens and, and that um, and not watching other comics so that you can't ever be accused of stealing it. But there yeah. is that thing. It's the same with, with music. You can write something and go, oh, that's really, really good. It's and then hard, the yeah. And the next day you go, actually, that sounds just like that song I heard on the radio the yeah. other day. Yeah, so man. you do you do sort of absorb stuff without really knowing it. Um, I tend to Google stuff. If I, if I think I've come up with a great joke, I'll, I'll Google it quickly. And if um, if it's not there, if I can't find it, like I'll try a few different wordings of it. Uh, I'll tweet it because it gets, that's a timestamp. It's like, that's an Ignacio Lopez oh, joke. Okay. You know what I mean? Like you can Clever. look up when I tweeted it, it's up there. The bonus is now and again, a tweet will go viral or something. And those are people who then follow me and potentially come to a stand-up comedy show in the future. But I've been- And you're safeguarding the jokes. That's yeah, really exactly. good. Clever, but you do yeah. get bitten as well because you're putting it out there into the public sphere and people can screenshot that, copy and paste it. And people can go off and use it kind of how they like. It's not, yeah. it's not fun to have that happen. Um, you know, people, the nice way of putting it is people are like, well, you should take it as a compliment. You know, you've made, you think, but it's like, yeah, but it's sneaky as f though, isn't it? Like, yeah. well, you know, people could credit yeah, me for it. Let's, let's just, let's just be really, really glad that Callum hasn't got himself Twitter <laughs> yeah. because he wouldn't I be on there long. <laughs> he would not be on there long. <laughs> Listen, Ignacio, thank you so much for yeah, joining us. This is honestly, on. this has been, this has been a really, really uh, a lovely podcast to have a, a conversation um, about you and your comedy. Um, obviously you're going to be on Instagram and Twitter. Um, we will post those. Yeah. Uh, where can people find below. you? Thank you, mate. Well, the easiest way, because nobody can spell or remember Ignacio, it's just Comedy Lopez <laughs> on everything. Comedy, Comedy Lopez. Lopez. Twitter, Comedy Facebook, Lopez. Instagram. Yeah, man, that's the way. Phenomenal. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on the Awkward Turkey podcast. And um, as soon as we're allowed out or you're doing something that's live on the internet, I'm going to yeah. be in the audience we'll at 40% uh, 40, 40 volume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't still be laughing at the word scone. Scone. Oh, God. We've just had a comedian on who's told us some brilliant stories and you are literally still laughing you at the joke. You would have loved that one. You, you wouldn't said let me 45 tell minutes it. ago. You wouldn't let me tell it to him. You said, don't tell him the scone joke. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> he would have loved it. I know he would have. Anyway, this has been a really, he's good, really... He? Yeah, he's, it, he's a phenomenal comedian um, and a guy I... I'd quite like to go and see live. I haven't seen him live. I'm definitely going to go and do it. And I'm sure. not, you know, that's going to be brilliant. Maybe when we can go steal together. steal his jokes. <laughs> steal all his jokes. <laughs> use him in, use him in my tour. <laughs> <laughs> obviously I won't. Obviously I won't. But um, obviously we, we, episode's quite long. So we're going to say goodbye and we'll see yes. you next week. Thank you once again for joining us. At Sunday, at 7pm. Um, we don't know what we're going to do yet because um, 
we're flying by the seat of our pants and this month. And it's the first week in April for us, so... <laughs> and we've just had, a really, gone. just had a really strong month of episodes, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> Desperately trying to keep the uh, the momentum. Thank you, as always, for watching. Thank you to Ignacio Lopez. Check him out. Um, on Comedy all Lopez. Comedy Lopez. And we will see you next week for more chats and for more big laughs. We promised you them. You're getting them. Thank <laughs> you.